I ended up submitting the application for the beta challenge a bit late, and so I and so I didn't think I was going to get it initially. I was like, I was actually pretty late in my in my submission, and so I was like, no way I'm going to get in. And so at this point, I had at this point I had completely forgotten about the beta challenge, and and I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get in. And so a few weeks later, I was walking right by Horn Library, and a kid came and congratulated me. And he's like, "Oh, congrats on the beta challenge!" And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Oh, you made the semifinals." Welcome to Babson Built, where we showcase Babson founders and entrepreneurs, people who have tried, failed, and tried again. They are the change makers, the disruptors, the hustlers, and the builders. These are their stories. This week on Babson Built, we're talking with Lula founder Michael Vegasons about how his late night pizza craving turned into one of the hottest startups in the shared auto economy. A lot of entrepreneurs have moments throughout their lives when they are inventing or creating or selling something. When did you first feel like an entrepreneur? Being an entrepreneur was never something that I explicitly set out to be. And when I was younger, I mean, I had some entrepreneurship tendencies and tendencies that, that tend to align with somebody that wants to be an entrepreneur. And it goes as far back as I used to be relatively good at basketball when I was a little kid, actually in fourth grade. And we, my brother and I, we actually started training some of our classmates, and we made business cards and we handed them out. And so that was kind of like the first time I ever had. I guess my own little business, and that went on for a few weeks, not even not even a long time. And then another funny story, which most people don't know outside of my family, is that when I was actually when I was in fourth grade, so a while after, a few months after I started this basketball program, I and this might sound gross, but I had a wart on my finger, and. I decided somehow in the middle of class, I just decided that I was going to rip it out, and so I ended up ripping it out. And I knew one of my classmates was into rocks, and so he was a rock collector, and he would collect okay. fossils and all that. And so I actually convinced him <laughs> that my wart was a moon rock. Unbelievable! And so I sold him that. I'll never forget. I sold him that for five dollars. And so, I mean, I had some tendencies and some entrepreneur tendencies when I was younger, but it was never like I was actively pursuing becoming an entrepreneur. When I got to college, I wanted to go the corporate route, and so, yeah, I had some of these these attributes naturally, but I, it was never like I was saying, "Oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur." It just it just happened. So, what did the corporate route look like for you? How did you envision the next ten years of your life? When I got into college, when I got to Babson, I was under the impression that I'd be going to to New York and I'd be working at a bulge bracket, particularly in investment banking. And so that was what, always what is goal. a bulge bracket? So one of the, at least from my understanding, a bulge bracket for the most part tends to be one of the top firms or banks, whether it be J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. So I wanted to go work for one of those companies in their investment banking department or even their asset management department. And then I recall I had a dinner with some HBS students, and it was my first night out ever in, in Boston. And I went to dinner with these kids, and they were like, "You know, I didn't really enjoy investment enjoy investment banking so much. We actually did consulting, and so they told me a bit about their consulting experience. And I was like, you know what? That sounds actually almost more cool and more fun. 
consulting. And so I was like, you know what? I want to go do I want to go do consulting. And so I thought I would be, I X'd out investment banking. And I was like, you know what? The new goal is, let me see if I could get into like McKinsey or Accenture, just one of these, yeah, these consulting firms. And then from there, I, I would, I wanted to go into graduate school to get my MBA and ultimately work at a, at a private equity firm or a VC firm. And so that was kind of my, my mentality. And those were my goals when I got into, into college. So when did the shift happen for you from corporate to startup? The shift happened for me around spring of 2016. And I was, I had just been moved to new dorm hall. Yeah, Babson, so it was Putney. And I didn't have many friends on campus. I was a new student. And so I lived in this dorm and I was entire, I was essentially all alone in that dorm building. I didn't know anyone. And so I saw one night there was this, this beta challenge going on. And I saw that the application was up and all that. And I said, you know what? I recently had an idea for an application that, that I think is a great idea. And so I'm going to apply for it. And the idea was an application that allowed students to rent cars from one another. What, where did you get that idea? It just came into your head. That, that idea stemmed from a one night I had been sick and tired of ordering Domino's pizza and I really wanted Papa John's. And I called Papa John's and, and some of the areas nearby and I said, do you guys deliver? And they said, no. And this was actually one of my first lessons in the whole business thing. I never use the word bribe if you're trying to bribe someone. I said, what if I bribe you guys? Okay. And they said, no, you can't, you can't bribe us. And then I was like, okay, that's out of the question, out of the picture. And so I, I looked at Uber and it was a $30 Uber to go pick up an $8 pizza. And I was like, okay, that makes no sense. And so I ordered Domino's. And when I went outside to pick up the pizza from the delivery man, I saw a parking lot full of student vehicles. And I thought to myself, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I could have rented out one of those, one of those cars? to go pick up the pizza. And so that was kind of the idea. And that was like my aha moment. Mm-hmm. And it was, and I went back into the dorm room. I spoke to my brother and some of my friends and I said, Hey, do you guys think an application that would allow you to rent cars from other students would be work, would work. And for the most part, they were like, yes, that's, that's actually a good idea. And so it stayed in my mind. And a few weeks later I saw the beta challenge application and I was like, you know what? I don't have anything to do tonight. I'm kind of bored in my dorm room. Uh, I might as well just apply for the for the beta challenge. And so I did. And a few weeks later, I got a notification saying that we had made the semifinals in the beta challenge. And then we were like, you know what? We might really, really have something. This might this might be an opportunity that that only comes once in a lifetime. And so let's try to pursue it. And so that at that point Incredible. in time, that's when we were like, you know what? Corporate route seems great. It's still something we'd love to do, but this is an opportunity that we don't think we can pass up. And when I say we, it's my brother and I. How did the beta challenge play into your starting Lula? Yeah, absolutely. So I, as a matter of fact, I ended up submitting the application for the beta challenge a bit late. And so I, and so I didn't think I was going to get it initially. I was like, I was actually pretty late in my, in my submission. And so I was like, no way I'm going to get in. And so at this point I had, at this point I had completely forgotten about the beta challenge and, and I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get in. And so a few weeks later I was walking right by Horn Library and 
a kid came and congratulated me and he's like, oh, congrats on the beta challenge. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you made the semifinals. And what had happened was there had been a mass email sent to the school, to all of the school. And so in that were, was the semifinal submission. So you had no idea that? I had no idea. So you just, you're just like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks. And I remember I called Matthew and I called my parents and I was like, hey, I, I signed us up for this, for this beta challenge and, and we're in. And so my parents were excited. Matthew was excited. I was super excited. But at this point, we didn't, have, we didn't really have a business plan. We didn't really know the answers to a lot of questions people were going to be asking us. Like, do you have insurance? How's all that going to work? Who's going to build out the application? So we had no answers to any of those questions. We just had this idea on a, on a, on a paper. Yeah. And so the day of the beta challenge came and we had gotten some T-shirts printed for us. We got some hats and we got some poster boards. But that's basically all we had. And then we were able to create some sort of presentation. And so we get there to the beta challenge. And we see all these companies that are generating revenue and all this stuff. And we're like, crap. Like we were a bit intimidated. And we're like, you know what? Let's just, let's just have fun with it. And so we, we went through the beta challenge. And the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. As a matter of fact, it was much, much better than we had anticipated. We thought there would be a lot of pushback like parents, administrators, all that. And a lot of them actually were like, no, we love the idea. It's a great idea. And so we were like, whoa, like, okay, we really, really might have something here. And this isn't us, just us saying it, but it's like parents and students and faculty and staff of Babson. And so over the course of the next few weeks after that, we actually had students and, and stuff that saw us at the beta challenge reaching out to us and being like, hey, do you guys are you guys operating? We're like, no, not yet. And we had Babson alumni that reached out to us and we're like, Hey, we saw you guys on the beta challenge or on the, on the, on the kind of on the email blast that they sent. We, we wanted to get more information about this. And some of the alumni from Babson's alumni association, as a matter of fact, were actually quite instrumental in, in helping us meet our developers, helping us Built out a business plan that allowed us to raise capital that mm-hmm. helped us go or create a go-to-market strategy. And so from that beta challenge, kind of all this stemmed from it. And ultimately that kind of allowed us to finally launch, get the app going and, and get to where we are today. And so that was like a great stepping stone for us and something that Matthew and I look at as an experience with, with a lot of gratitude. At this point, it seems there was a lot of interest in Lula uh, what were your next steps in making it into a reality? In the days following the the beta challenge, we were extremely, extremely excited. And we had we had put out a laptop with an Excel sheet so that people could sign up for a newsletter and all that. And so as soon as it ended, Matthew and I sat down and, and we kind of gathered ourselves and we said, you know what? Everybody was super nice. They loved it. But now let's see if they were just being nice because we were there in person talking to them, or if this is something that they actually believe in. And so we had this huge email list, and we said, let's create a survey, and let's ask them questions like, would they use this? Would they actually find this helpful? And not. And we, we decided to do this so that we can get some candid feedback and see whether or not the people were just being nice or they would actually use this. And so we ended up creating a survey and we sent it out to a bunch of these emails. These, they were Babson students for the most part. And again, a lot of the responses we got were overwhelmingly positive. And 
we ended up getting people saying, we and a lot of these were Babson students, so we ended up getting people that were like, oh, we're great at graphic design. We'll help you with your first logo. We're great at graphic design. We'll help you with your first flyers and your advertising. We had, we had a bunch of these just different people. For, sure. We had a bunch of people just from the Babson ecosystem that were just reaching out, trying to help us, trying to join the team, trying to see mm-hmm. if there was some sort of room for a potential synergy or, or something of that nature. Yeah. And so Matthew and I were were just like overwhelmed, but it was it was great. And and over the course of the next few weeks, we ended up incorporating as a company. We ended up getting all the feedback that people that people gave us, and actually writing down a business plan addressing those certain points. And so one of the main questions that we continue to get to this day, and that we got back then in the beta challenges, what's gonna what are you gonna do about insurance? And so a lot of the feedback that we got at the beta challenge, we actually wrote it down, gathered that feedback and implemented it into the application and into the business model and and the way we operate up to this day, which has almost been two years later. And so the beta challenge was for us was great. And I I would actually recommend it to literally anybody that, that comes to Babson. Were there any people you met who you would say were crucial to your success? Yeah, so I, like I said, I started to, at this point, I started to spend much more time in the Blank Center. And so Cindy and Debbie and even Nancy can all attest to me being in here and asking them questions. And I have very vivid memories of me sitting down with with Cindy and just literally throwing ideas at her. Some of them were crazy ideas. And she'd be like, what kind of ideas? We would be like, this This was, imagine Lula, but instead of people renting out their own cars, it was kind of a futuristic outlook on the, on the way the world works. And so we said, what if we created an, a company that goes after ta- autonomous vehicles and creates partnerships with companies like Google and Ford, all these companies working on autonomous vehicles? And the idea was that if autonomous vehicles were going to be we're going to be owned by the by private citizens that as these private individuals and citizens were working, whether it be, at, I don't know, in a bank or in a hotel or just somewhere in the city, their cars would be going around the city making money for them by picking others up, by kind of basically Ubering other people around. And so we're That's like... fascinating idea. So that was like an idea we had. And then I remember Cindy and a few other professors around here were like, yeah, that's a good idea, but we don't think the the world is ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so now I look back on it and I was like, yeah, that's a silly idea. It sounds great, and I, I think it could be great in the future, but right now it's just it's just not feasible. Sure, possible. Yeah, like give it give it ten years. Exactly, but that was one of the crazy ideas we had, and so we were always brainstorming and stuff like that, and trying to think of how we could come up with something new and disruptive and innovative. Every entrepreneur starts somewhere. Are you looking for your beginning? The Blank Center for Entrepreneurship is where Babson's emerging entrepreneurs connect with the events, workshops, mentoring, and competitions that they need to build their businesses. This summer, join the top student teams from Babson, Wellesley College, and Olin College of Engineering and accelerate your venture in the Blank Center's intensive summer venture program. Applications open Monday, February 4th for this summer's cohort. To learn more, please visit www.babson.edu slash SVP.
What are some of the failures you've experienced in your entrepreneurial process? Matthew and I have stories for days about this, and I'll begin with, with an insurance story. And so last year, we had a bit of publicity come out about us, and we had been on different news outlets, on different websites, and around Boston, and and we started getting an, an overwhelming response. And one of these, as a matter of fact, the way that we found out that we were on some of these articles was we had a huge insurance company reach out to us and say, hey, we saw what you guys are doing. We'd like to talk and see how we can work together. And so I remember Matthew and I were so excited. We were like, you know what? This is a huge insurance company. It's essentially a household name. And they're inviting us to their headquarters to speak about potential synergies. And so we were just off the wall excited. And so it was December of 2016, so about a little more than a year ago. And they invite us to their headquarters. Matthew and I go. We're dressed all nice. They take us to their headquarters in the city of Boston. Beautiful offices, beautiful view. And so Matthew and I remember we were so excited that when the executives walked out of the room, we took out our phone and started taking pictures and stuff like that. So we were just like kids. <laughs> so we were just super excited. And... They pitched to us this idea. They said, we are, we're actually working with a smaller company that does usage-based insurance and does insurance for the sharing economy. You guys happen to be in a company in the sharing economy, and we want to see if we can work with you guys. And so they had brought in the CEO and some of the founding team from that small insurance company to come and present to us. And Matthew and I were like, whoa, Like this happened much quicker than anticipated. And we left the meeting we left the meeting under the impression that we'd all be working together. And the application was set to be completed in March. This company had told us that things could happen pretty quickly. And so we were like, you know what? We're launching in March. Fast forward a few weeks later, I ended up... This is March. This is March 2017. So. Got it. So fast forward a few a few weeks later, I end, up going to, I end up going to San Francisco for some meetings. This insurance company finds out that we're going to San Francisco and said, hey, we have offices there. We want to meet you there again. So we go and we meet with them again in San Francisco. They invite us to lunch. They tell us we're looking forward to work with you guys. And we'll have the insurance policies ready for you by March. And so Matthew and I are again super excited. We're like, we overcame this obstacle. We're finally going to launch in March. Come March, the application is somewhat near completion, at least the MVP form. And we're we're setting things up for the launch and whatnot. And all of a sudden, Matthew gets a phone call and says, Hi, Matthew, This in so this insurance company no longer wants to work with you guys. And so we were like, whoa, where did that come from? And that was kind of one of the first, first big hits that we took. And looking back on it, you can say, well, of course, what did you guys expect? You guys didn't sign any papers. You guys didn't have any anything more than a verbal agreement. And so they weren't binded to that. So I guess that was one of the first learning points for Matthew and I. Nothing's guaranteed until you guys sign something or sign a document. And even then that's still up in the air somewhat. And so that was kind of like one of our first big mess ups and obstacles that we faced. And then in terms of just just development and stuff like that, we've had some, some software issues that have kind of bugged us a bit. How did you get your first prototype built and get your app to where it is today? Yeah, so Matthew, my, my twin brother and co-founder, is is more technical than I am. And so he has some experience with CSS. 
I mean, C++ and, and HTML. And so he was going to build out the initial version of the application. But as we start, as he started building out the application, he realized, why this might be a bit bigger of a task than, than I can handle. And so we went back to the drawing board and we're like, you know what, let's see if we can raise some capital. And so at this point, Matthew and I, we had never raised capital, obviously. We were familiar with some, or we did know some people that had raised capital. And so we went to them for advice. And we ended up pitching to, I believe, the, we, ended, we, we pitched to 21 investors and got 21 straight no's. Wow. We emailed a bunch of investors and they just flat out either didn't respond or, or just said, no, you have Uber as a comp- competitor, as a car. This is too crowded of a space. And so after 21 investors rejecting us, we were able to finally get an investor to bite and he gave us some initial startup capital and we used that to put out the, the application and we, we kind of outsourced it to a dev shop. And so that's how we built out the first version of the application. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And how do you go about getting funding? Do you yeah. just, what's the, what, what's that process like? The funding process looks much more glamorous than it really is. As a matter of fact, if I could give a piece of a, a bit of advice to somebody's trying to start a company or and they think they need to raise capital, I would say don't raise the capital or don't try to raise the capital so early on. I know Matthew and I looking back on things, one of our biggest regrets is seeking out capital so so immediately or so immediate rather than trying to find or trying to learn how to build out the application ourselves. And so we feel that if we had actually sat down and tried to learn how to build out an application or taken some classes or even built a just done a just done a simple website that allows people to rent cars from one another and prove that concept much more, I guess, in a much more lean method methodology, then that's what we would have done. But in, what we did instead was we ended up email blasting in, in the spray and pray tactic of just sending out a bunch of emails to different investors, trying to get introductions to different investors in Boston, in Miami, California, New York, just anywhere we could get. And what we found ultimately was the best way to reach an investor was if you have no traction whatsoever, is try to get some sort of introduction. And so we found that if you can get an introduction to somebody that's an investor, somebody that may know an investor, or somebody that just has some sort of relationship with an angel group, an investment group, whatever the case may be, that's the way to go. And so once you're able to start that, that dialogue between you and the potential investor, then the, the goal is to always get the second meeting. And so what I mean by that is when you get that first meeting, that's kind of the introduction meeting. You don't necessarily need a pitch deck for the most part. This meeting tends to be, at least for us, it was over, over a cup of coffee, over lunch or something quick like that. And the goal is always get that second meeting. And if you can get that second meeting, then you're off to a good start. And essentially how, what that consisted for us was, or what those second and third and fourth meetings mainly consisted of, was having a firm grasp on the market, having a firm grasp on the business, on the numbers. How much will it cost to launch on Babson's campus? How much will it launch to? Uh, how much will it cost to launch on Bentley and Brandeis? What do you think you're paying for a user? What do you think your customer acquisition cost is? When do you think your inflection point will come? When do you guys think you're going to become profitable and all that? And so those were all questions that you need to have down packed. And another thing that we thought at first was overrated and we kind of began to understand the importance of was having a good set of financials. 
And so oftentimes we get asked, how do you create a set of financials? Do you just pull that out from thin air? And the idea is not necessarily. So you need to create an enticing story and an enticing kind of pathway as to how you're going to reach these numbers and how you're going to penetrate the market to get either 2% of the market, 5% of the market, 10% of the market, whatever the case may be. So you need to have a very good story. You need to have some sort of traction, good metrics, all that. And then you also need to find the investor that, that believes in you ultimately. What do you think the turning point in your meeting with investors was? Yeah, so the kind of the turning point for the investors, number one, we when we first started out, we, we were an idea on paper. And so at that point, it was extremely difficult to raise capital. As a matter of fact, it was nearly impossible to raise capital at that point. Things started to change once we started to get a bit of publicity and schools started to find out about us and administrators. And what that ultimately caused was there were actually school officials and students that would email us or message us on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever the case may be. They were literally messaging our company pages and saying, hey, when do you guys think you're going to be in our area? And in a few weeks, that list grew to over 50 campuses around the, the, around the country. And so we had all of a sudden, we had all these letters and all these emails and messages from people around the country saying, hey, we want you guys to come to our school. And, and so that was like something that we would show investors. And we had all the, the tangible proof right there. And so that was kind of a turning point. Another turning point for them was the fact that Matthew and I had somewhat of this transformation where we turned from just regular students to all of a sudden we were students and we weren't experts in, our, in the domain of transportation and shared mobility, but we knew a lot about it and we would study it. And so we had an interesting perspective as to how we thought we could disrupt this particular space. And a lot of investors were intrigued by it. And so we would, we had an interesting way of painting the, the landscape, how we think we could disrupt it. And a lot of the investors were, were, not, were definitely intrigued by that. And so you mix those two things up. And then we, we kind of equipped ourselves with a great group of advisors, a great group of essentially teammates that, that were surrounding us. And then Matthew and I also had somewhat of an interesting background where we worked on project, consulting projects with Google. And we didn't necessarily work with them, but we, were some sort, we, were, we had some projects lined up with Google and New Balance and Sperry and all that stuff in, in the former consulting association we worked with. And so all, all of that together really what allowed us to ultimately raise capital and get that trust from investors to give us give us money and, and write checks. How would you pitch your business to someone now and where do you see the business going in the next few years? We launched it. We, we began operating. I don't necessarily want to call it a full out launch. We began operating on Babson's campus in October. Sort of a soft launch? Soft launch. We didn't promote it heavily or anything, but we did post some flyers and all that. And so we did promote it a bit, but we wouldn't call it a full launch. Fast forward to where we are, where we are today. Now we're, now we're getting closer to what I'd call an actual launch. And so we've hired a team of brand executives, which is our way of calling or term. We, we, we call brand ambassadors, brand executives. And so we've hired brand executives on Babson's campus, on Bentley's campus, on Endicott's campus. So different schools around the area. And we were starting to expand to those schools. And so within the next few weeks, we'll actually be on, between five to six campuses cool. we anticipate by the end of, of February. 
We should be on five campuses, early March, six to seven campuses. And and the way we've done that is, like I said, we, we hire the brand executives. We help They help us get cars on, on their campus. And then we throw either pizza nights, food events, host certain events on campus. And that's kind of how we go about the launch. In terms of how we pitch the company, when we we speak to an investor or something like that, or just somebody in general, is the, the basis of it is right now we are a peer-to-peer car sharing company. And our initial focus is on college campuses. As we grow and the company evolves and starts to take shape, what we'd ultimately like to become is a shared mobility platform in which we're not so one-dimensional and stick to car sharing, but we encompass other, other services like bike sharing and car sharing and all and ride sharing, even carpooling. And so the grand picture is to become much more than just a car sharing platform, but be more of a shared mobility platform in which people that are familiar and comfortable with shared mobility, rather than having to download a variety of applications to get around, can just download Lula and they have access to car sharing service, ride sharing service, carpooling service, bike sharing, all of that. And then create some sort of relationship with cities that are interested in shared mobility and see it as a solution for many of the problems. We'd nice. like to create a we'd like to create relationships and partnerships with those cities so that they can work together with Lula to promote this idea of shared mobility, which we think is going to be transformative in the in the coming years. Do you have any advice that you would want to give to someone who's trying to start their business? An important aspect of kind of this this journey of entrepreneurship or just being an entrepreneur in general is the fact that often it's it's somewhat glamorized. And so we see all these success stories and we see or you see companies like Detrapo and you see that they went on Shark Tank and raised all this capital and mm-hmm. from the outside looking in it looks great and you're like, oh like it always seems like they're go- they're doing well and they're doing super well, but the reality is that they d- they encounter difficulties. If you look at a company like us, a lot of people often tell us, "Oh, you guys seem to be doing extremely well. You guys seem to always be pushing forward." When the idea, is, when the reality is that we encounter obstacles on a daily basis, and sometimes we're we're like, "What are we even doing?" Like this is, like, we get stuck on problems, and and so what I mean by the, the startup life and the, the life of an entrepreneur often gets glamorized as as a life filled with milestones and overcoming obstacles and all that. And the reality is that it's very, very hard. It's a very difficult thing to do, and and you have to be prepared for that. And if you go into this, if you go into the in, into this space and, and start your own company without being aware of the difficulties that you're going to encounter, I think it's I think it can almost blindside you and, and at times cause you and to want to give up. And so I think that, that anybody interested in starting their own company should know that it's probably one of the best experiences you'll ever have in your life, but it's also one of the most difficult experiences you'll have in your life. And there's going to be a lot of bad days, but the good days kind of make up for that. And when you have a good, you have a good experience, or when, you have, when you reach a certain milestone, from our experience and from people that I've spoken to, just here in the Babson ecosystem, those good experiences, for the most part, tend to overpower the bad experiences. Thanks for listening to this week's Babson Built, where we showcase Babson entrepreneurs and founders. 
If you have a second, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We take feedback seriously here at Babson Built, and it helps other listeners find us. If you know a Babson entrepreneur who should be featured, email us at babsonbuilt at gmail.com.